All right, so let me first remind you that uh, I'm going to be posting the Luke teachings that, that we did a few years ago. They were the last teachings that I ever gave as part of LCF before we were sent out as Emmanuel Christian Fellowship. And it was eight weeks in Luke. And uh, rather than just teach through that same stuff again, I'm going to be reposting those teachings uh, week to week as we go. And I'm not going to say too much that overlaps. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take a different sort of approach this time. I mainly want this time to, to dig deep in a few parts. Last time I taught through, it was more of a survey. So I want to dig deep in a few parts. Um, so those are going to be up on the website and the podcast, and I'll, I'll mark those off. They'll, they'll say repost, and you'll know that it was the old one. Uh, let's see, a couple more announcements. This will likely be our last church at the camp. It's getting dark. It's getting cold. Um, so we are probably going to do something different next week. Probably. I got to talk to... Uh, I got to talk to a few other people about what exactly we're going to do. Um, might be as good a time as any to see about getting back into uh, Tate's Brook. So we'll uh, we'll discuss that, and I'll uh, I'll send out. Andrew's happy about that. His uh, also his the shocks on his wheelchair are probably happy about that. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll send out information about that. Um, the time change is coming anyway, and it'll be dark when we get here at 6.30, so we've got to change it up. Uh, the other thing is men's meeting is next Saturday. Uh, it's the first Saturday of October, which means men's meeting. Uh, is it still okay if we yeah. back on the porch, you guys around? Yeah. Okay. Well, even if you're not, we, you were gone last time. We just <laughs> took over. We just pulled up and set up camp. Okay. So we're starting Luke tonight. Who knows what Luke is, you guys? Yeah. It's one of the three books about Yeah, those are called Gospels. Yeah, there are four Gospels. Can you believe that? We have four stories of everything Jesus did. Does anyone know every, all the ones that they are? For, for those listening at home, I'm talking to the kids. I don't think this little of my church. I'm just talking to our kids right now. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they give us a great picture of the life of Jesus. Each of them, each of them is a little bit different. Has all the same main stuff, right? He was born. He lived a life. He showed many mighty deeds. He preached the kingdom of God. Um, the most important thing is that he went to Jerusalem and he died and he was buried. What happens at the end of all the Gospels? Does anybody know? What happens at the very end? It's the most important part of the story. Yeah. He comes back to life. He rises from the dead. The Father raises Jesus from the dead and that is the good news. That Jesus has come, that he has died, and that he has risen again. And now, where is Jesus? He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And he's coming back. He is coming back. But Luke is the story, not of the second coming, but of the first coming of Jesus. And 
If you remember the story of the kings, you guys remember the story of David? David was a king. He wasn't the first king of Israel. Who was the first king? Salem. Who was the first king of Israel? Yeah, not quite. Right, or what is it? Saul. Saul was going to be the king, or he was the king for a while, but then he disobeyed God. And God, he said, he tore the kingdom away from Saul, and he gave it to David. And so David uh, was the king of Israel. Then David had a son named Solomon. Solomon. And then Solomon was a king, and the kingdom at that point got really really awesome. There was gold everywhere. They built an amazing temple. And life was really, really good. And actually, all of the nations around Israel started to go, whoa! Look at Israel. They got it going on. Let's go see. Let's go ask them what their secret is. How do they get so awesome? How do they get so much gold? How do they get so much wisdom? And so there was a queen. Does anyone remember this? Yeah. The queen of Sheba came and said, it says that when she went into Israel, she went, <gasps> it says there was no more breath in her. Has it ever happened to you? Maybe like you fall off the top thing of the playground like I saw someone was up there. <clears throat> it's not that kind of no more breath. It says she had no more breath. She went, whoa, such glory. And she was asking Solomon, how in the world? What is behind all this? And Solomon was telling her that it's because of Yahweh. It's because he is the Lord. He is God. All of the other gods, Baal, Ashtaroth, none of them can do for their people what Yahweh can do for his people. And so Solomon got a chance to show people the glory of God in the nation of Israel. And it's at that point that Israel really reached its height in terms of God's purpose. God always wanted to bless his people. Remember Abraham? All the way back, this is way before Solomon. Remember the story of Abraham? God blessed him and said, what did he tell Abraham? What was his promise to Abraham? Anybody know? What, what is God's promise to Abraham? Sophie? That you have many sons. He said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless the world through you. And that was the nation. That eventually became the nation of Israel. Because Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac. Who was born miraculously. Right? Abraham and Sarah were way too old to have kids. Way older than your grandparents even. Although my grandpa, he was 90, he's 95. They were about as old as Grandpa Woody. Can you imagine if my Grandpa Woody had a kid right now? That would be weird. That would be... Let's see. He would be my uncle? That kid would be my uncle. That's strange. That doesn't make any sense. What are we talking about here? 
Oh, Solomon in his kingdom, in the kingdom of God. It was glorious. And it was a fulfillment of what God had promised Abraham. To bless you, give you many sons. There were lots of people in Israel. And make them blessed. Blessing means it's really, really good. Israel had it really, really good. But what happened? Yeah. They disobeyed God. How did they disobey God? What was the primary way they disobeyed God? He would worship with his wives. Yeah. He got married to lots of wives, which is weird, right? And all each of his wives was like, worship this God, worship this God, worship this God, worship that God. And he said, okay, 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 okay. And it says his wives turned his heart from the Lord to worship many foreign gods. Well, guess what? That started a long slide down for the nation of Israel. It was glorious. All the nations were saying, Whoa, God lives here. This God, the God of Israel, is the God. There aren't any greater gods than this. Well, then Solomon started to worship, and the rest of the people followed his lead to worship other gods. Which is really, really foolish when you think about it. Why would you go worship gods other than the one who made such beauty, such greatness, and such blessing? And God said, yeah, that's really, really foolish. I have no idea why they're worshiping gods. Because guess what? They're not even gods. They're just pieces of stone, pieces of wood. Can that piece of wood give you all this blessing and wisdom and glory? No. All it does is it just sits there. One of the prophets, I love it, he says, what is an idol? An idol is just a piece of wood. You take down, a, you take down a, a, a limb from a tree and you cut it in half. In one half you make an idol. Another half you make a fire and you roast marshmallows over it. He doesn't really say roast marshmallows. He does say make a fire though. He goes, what's the difference? How is this wood any different than this wood? The wood that you use for your fire and the wood that you bow down and worship. Idolatry doesn't make any sense. Why would you worship firewood? Oh, firewood. Oh, firewood. Why are we talking about that? I thought we were talking about the Gospel of Luke. Well, here's the thing. The Gospel of Luke picks up right where the story of David and Solomon and all the kings of Israel, what happened at the end of the long downfall? There were lots of kings. Most of them were bad. A few of them were were kind of good. They end up, first of all, the kingdom is split into two. Israel and Judah. Israel gets taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Boo. Say boo, Assyrians. And then even worse, Judah gets taken into captivity to the Babylonians. Boo! And here we are. They are, God promised them the land. He promised Abraham that they would be in this land. And they get taken out of their land. And so Israel now is in mourning. Not mourning like when the sun comes up, but mourning when someone dies. They have lost the glory. They have lost the presence of God and they have been shut out of their homeland. 
They've been taken out of their home. What, how would you feel if someone took you out of your home, out of Lexington, and took you way far away, like to Minnesota or something? <laughs> I hear it's cold up there in the winter. And you say, this is not right. This is not what God promised. Well, in between the exile to Babylon and the exile to Assyria, and when Luke writes his gospel, there's a period where Israel isn't quite sure how God's going to fix all this. They end up coming back to Israel, but it's nothing like the time of Solomon. Nothing. There's no gold. There's no glory. None of the other nations want, want to know None of the other nations are seeking uh, wisdom from Israel. In fact, all the other nations are just kind of going, Israel, who likes them anymore? They haven't been relevant for a long time. So none of the nations respect Israel. Israel is, is saying, this is not how it should be. This is not what God promised us. Okay, so the people of Israel have this on their heart. And some of them are turning away to other gods and saying, well, God must have abandoned us. But some of them are still waiting for God to come and to reestablish. What did, he, what did God promise David? You told me what he promised Abraham. What did he promise David? Yeah. Make his nation powerful. Sort of. Do you remember, Sophie? What did God promise to David? That he would be the king, but and also what? Oh, yeah. That the like that his son would come from David's. That there would always be someone, one of the sons of David, one of the descendants of David, would always be the king. Forever. Okay, so Israel is saying, well, God promised David that he was going to set one of David's sons on the throne forever. Well, where is he? And here comes Luke. And this is the story that Luke wants to continue. Now listen to this. Okay, so that's the background of, of Luke. Luke tells the story. He opens his story up. It's a beautiful opening. Uh, no one, no, none of the other Gospels tells the beginning of the story just like Luke does. And Luke says at the beginning, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Do you know what Theophilus means? Who's, who takes Latin? Who knows Latin? What, is, what does, well, no, it's not Latin, it's Greek. Well, you know what Deus means, right? What is that? Well, that comes from the Greek word theos, which means God. So theo means God. Theophilus means loved by God. And so this gospel is written to those who God loves. There's also a guy named Theophilus. That you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And so Luke opens his story in the days of King Herod. It's not an Israelite king on the throne. The Israelites are subject to a pagan king. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah 
of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. She couldn't have children. And both were advanced in years. They were really old. Who does that sound like? Abraham and Sarah. So here are two old righteous people and God comes to them says while he was serving at priest as a priest it also sounds like who else who else in scripture can you think of other than Sarah that God came and told them you're going to have a child when they even when they couldn't have children who remembers Anna um, like Anna, Anna? Anna. Hannah, Hannah Hannah yeah 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 and which is the story of what? First Samuel. Yeah, but that begins the David story, doesn't it? So this is just like God's promise to Sarah, God's promise to Hannah to give them a son. Except that son doesn't become king. Hannah's son doesn't become king. Who's Hannah's son in the Old Testament? Yeah. Samuel. What does Samuel do? end up doing? He's a priest and a prophet. What does he do, though? He does a lot of things. He brings the word of the Lord. He preaches. Yeah, go ahead. He anointed Saul and and David. He anointed Saul. He got he got he got sad when Saul had to go bye bye. But then God said, "I already have another plan." Okay, so are you with me? You following me? Zechariah and Elizabeth. He is a priest. The word of the Lord is rare in those days, as it says in Samuel. And here comes the angel Gabriel. And Zechariah is just doing his priestly duty, just going about. He's, and there appears an angel. Whoa! And he falls down. And he was so surprised because this doesn't happen. This does not happen. This hasn't happened. All we, all, we've only read stories about this happening. And here's what the angel says. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now, Zechariah, he was supposed to be offering incense and praying on behalf of the people, but what was he actually praying for? A son. That was on his heart as he was in, in the presence of God. He says, I, I, I heard your real prayer. We're going to give you a son. But it just turns out that that son is actually really important. Now, who is Zechariah and Elizabeth's son? Almost. John the Baptist. All right, so follow me here. Hannah has a son whose name is Samuel. What does Samuel do? He brings the the word of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, for the first time in a long time. The word of the Lord comes to Samuel. And he ends up anointing the king. And he ends up preaching judgment on the house of Eli, the wicked sons of Eli. He says, your household is going to be discontinued. Now, John the Baptist comes, and what does he preach? He preaches judgment on the wicked Israelites, but he preaches salvation, and he prepares the way for the coming of the king. And he ends up baptizing Jesus. It's almost like he anoints Jesus, just like Samuel anointed David. 
So uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth have John the Baptist. Um, and then another angel comes, or it's Gabriel again, but he comes and he tells Mary she's going to have a son. And she goes, well, how is this going to be? I'm not even married. So the Holy Spirit is going to cause a child to be born. And she says, oh, man. And she has this great prayer. And the prayer sounds a lot like the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel. So, I want everybody to realize that this story is very much a continuation of the story in Samuel and Kings. All the people of Israel are wondering, what's going to happen? How's God going to fix all of this? There are... There are glimpses here of two kinds of Israel in the Gospel of Luke. There's faithful Israel who's waiting for the Lord, looking for His coming. And there is um, prideful Israel, and that's the Pharisees. They're the ones that should be the blessing to the world, but they, they don't recognize Jesus as God, even when He's staring them in the face. And so John comes to pronounce judgment on wicked Israel. And he calls the Pharisees, he says, you brood of vipers. You have always just needed to repent. And then you would bear fruit. But up to this point, he, he, he lumps on, on the Pharisees all the, the prophetic judgments on those wicked Israelites, the, the ones who were faithless in the Old Testament. But then he preaches the coming of the king the true king, to uh, those who are waiting for him. So listen to a couple of these. Um, this is what the angel says to Zechariah about John the Baptist. Many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. Oh, by the way, another scene just like this is uh, Samson's parents. You remember that? And they say some of the same things. He's going to be special. He's not going to do the things that everybody else does. He's going to be set apart for the work of God. God has a special purpose for him. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He's coming to Israel, the nation that was in captivity, the nation that hasn't known who they are for hundreds of years. How in the world is God going to fulfill his promises? Here comes John the Baptist to turn the children of Israel. He will be go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. From the same story. From the story of the kings. Just like Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And this is what the angel says to Mary about Jesus. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called Son of the Most High. And listen to this. Listen. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. This is how he's going to fulfill his promise. Jesus is the one who's going to sit on the throne of David. And then Luke tells us that Joseph and Mary, these people that you don't really know who they are up until now, guess what? 
their lineage goes all the way back to David. Isn't that cool? So God is fulfilling his promise. It took a long time. Some people gave up hope. But God is saying, I am now getting ready to put one of the sons of David on the throne. Isn't that pretty cool? That Jesus is the answer to God's promise to David long, long time ago. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, that's Israel, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That's exactly what God said to David. I'm going to sit one of your descendants on the throne and his kingdom's never going to end. And this is what the angel tells Mary that Jesus is going to do. Now listen to Mary's song. This is a beautiful song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What's a Savior? Somebody who saves. (laughs) Someone who saves. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. This is the same theme as the, as the prayer of Hannah. God's bringing down the proud and he's lifting up the humble. And here comes God. He's doing the same things that he was doing in those glorious days of Israel. And even greater things. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Luke wants us to know that the story of Jesus that he's about to tell is the story that all Israelites knew. But it is now coming to its final chapter. That when Jesus comes... God's getting ready to show just how he is fulfilling all those promises that he has kept reminding his people. I am going to bless you. I am going to make you great. And through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Luke wants us to know for certain that these things that Jesus did and said were God's answer, were God's fulfillment of the promise to Abraham and the promise to David. And Luke says, I'm going to write to you an orderly account. Luke is very intentional about the way that he structures his story and the details that he includes. He's not just bringing random bits of the Old Testament in. He is very carefully crafting his story to tell us that the story of Jesus is the story of the Old Testament coming to its fulfillment and its climax. Okay? So, he says also, I'm writing that you would have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Luke was writing to people. I mean, this is a big deal. It's been hundreds of years since we've known for sure what God is up to. And here comes Jesus. And now Jesus has come and he's lived and he's back at the right hand of the Father. And Luke's writing a story for the people who believe in Jesus so that they would know for sure that what they've heard about Jesus is true. It's not just legend. Okay, And Luke writes both to Jews, Jewish people, but he also writes to Gentiles. Um, 
Because the story of Israel really is the story of the Gentiles as well. God's promise to Abraham was to bless Israel so that the whole, all the nations of the world would be blessed through them. So here's what Luke is writing for, that they would have certainty. For Jews, that Jesus really is the Messianic King, that He is the one in the line of David. And the, Amen. And that those who reject Him reject God Himself as King and bring judgment on themselves, just like unfaithful Israel of old. And these are represented by the Pharisees. And this is what the Scriptures have always been pointing to. This is what Luke is writing so that, so that his Jewish brothers would have certainty of. This is what Scripture has always been pointing to. You can be sure because of how it took place. You can be sure because of how it took place. And Jesus brings the whole story to its fulfillment. We've reached the final chapter, right? It's like those Lord of the Rings movies. The first one's pretty good. second one's good. But man, you get the last movie and like all these things that have just been building now coming to its fulfillment. All those little threads of the story that were put together, they are now all coming to fulfillment. And we see how God is going to be faithful to those promises. For the Gentiles, Luke is writing that they can have certainty that Jesus, the king of the Jews, is the king of the world. And you can read, I've left out some scripture that I was going to share before I decided to go kid style. Um, go read Psalm 72. That's the picture of a king in Israel. Psalm 72, read that this week. That's the, the, the mental image of a king that Israel would have had. And it, in that you see all sorts of, well, the king brings provision, the king, the king brings military protection. But the one other thing that you also see is that the king of Israel is to be the king of the nations. That he is to be a channel of blessing, not just to the people of Israel, but to the, but to the world, through Israel to the world. And here's what Gentiles need to know. The redemption of Israel, God's fulfillment of his promises to Israel, mean the redemption of the world. That the coming of the king of Israel means the coming of the king of all nations. And that there is blessing because this Jewish king came. Because God was faithful to his, uh, his promises to this nation you Gentiles are included within that. This is what Simeon says when he sees Jesus. He says, Blessed be the Lord God... Oh, this is Zechariah's prophecy. Uh, hang on, where's... where's I'm getting dark here, I can't see. Uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for those promises to be fulfilled. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That is the Messianic Davidic King. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord... Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. 
My eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples, all peoples. You've prepared salvation in sending Jesus. You have prepared salvation in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Glory for Israel and because of that, light to the Gentiles. There's so many prophecies about this. Isaiah 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be lifted up and all nations will come to walk in the light of the law of the Lord. There's just this great prophetic vision for the latter days. Um, You can look at, uh, go read Jeremiah 30 and 31. 30 and 31. I was going to read through some of that tonight. Psalm 72, Jeremiah 30 and 31. Isaiah 2, Isaiah 40. Uh, which gets quoted a few times here in the, in the chapters 3 and 4. So certainty, that you may know for certain, Jews, that this is the fulfillment. Gentiles, that because of its fulfillment, it means a blessing to you too. And for everyone, that this is what the kingdom is really like, that this is what God is really like. He has come down, He has, made, he has been made flesh. And the way that he lived is the way that God is. That's what we are to know for certain. This is who God is. This is the way that he loves. Salvation. Salvation. If you want to boil down the theme of Luke's gospel into one word, it would be salvation. Salvation. This is what Israel was was awaiting Not just the individuals in Israel waiting to know whether they were going to go to heaven. Salvation to a Jew in those days meant the same. It it was inseparable from the exodus. The deliverance of a nation from the the, uh, Gentiles that held them in bondage. So Jesus came to bring salvation to the Jews. To deliver them from the nation that held them in bondage. God's coming to deliver his people. This is what they were longing for. This was the defining moment in their history when God delivered them from Egypt. And this is what he's coming back to do. Salvation. Deliverance is a word, I think, that that gets across the meaning a little better. Man. It's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Um, God is coming to save his people, not merely from, not just from worldly governments, Roman oppression or, or what have you, but from every possible enemy. You see salvation coming over disease. Illness, yes, uh, oppression from governments, um, but also the sin that held people in bondage. He's coming to deliver his people from every possible enemy, including the sin that was itself the cause of their perpetual exile. He's coming to deliver his people from not just the foreign oppression, but from their, the sin of their own hearts that keeps causing them to turn away from him. He's coming to save them from even that. Okay. 
me wrap it up here. So Luke is writing that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. You know, that, that, that's, that's a great word because um, the word that I hear most often used to describe our current age is uncertainty. And I think we need what Luke has to tell us right now more than ever. Yes, we live in a time of great uncertainty. And Luke has come to give us certainty according to the things that we've been taught. Amen? This is a book that if we are diligent over the course of these next eight weeks to read it and study it, will give us deep, great, abiding certainty about who we are. About, well, first of all, about who he is. And second, about who we are. We're going to read Luke and Acts. It's one story. The beginning of Acts says, in the former book, O Theophilus, I... Whew. That was a loaded mosquito. Um, in the former book, O Theophilus... I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then he tells the story of the people of God going out and doing and teaching the things that Jesus did and taught. Amen? So, this is our story. We have certainty as to who Jesus is, and we have certainty as to who we are as as his people. And here's our certainty. Here's what we are certain of. That the man Jesus came and fulfilled all of God's promises to his people. And because of that, salvation has come to us Gentiles through the Messiah that came. And he is our king. Because he sits on the throne of David, he is our king. He is the king of all nations. And he has entrusted us with the message of the, the proclamation of him as king. And we have become sent, we have become part of his blessings to uh, we have become part of his promises to bless his people and through his people bless the world. We've been blessed by that, and we are being sent out. We are being blessed and being sent out to be that blessing to all nations. Because Jesus took the throne of his father David and fulfilled all the promises and all the prophetic uh, anticipation of his coming. All right, so if there's one theme I want you to to look out for in all, this is the whole thing, Luke and Acts, to the end of the year. Keep the story of David and the kingdom. You can can use any number of lenses to to read Luke, and you'll see a bunch of stuff. You can look at Abraham all the way through. You can look at Moses all the way through, the Exodus and the deliverance. Let's look this time through. Let's look through the lens of David and the kingdom. All right, and I think your eyes will really be opened um, to see what Luke is doing. Again, Luke was he's a brilliant writer. And he says, I'm going to write you an orderly account. Meaning, the way I'm going to put it together, you're, you're sure to see what this story really means. And you'll have certainty because of it. All right? Luke is the... Uh, I think he's the most... Uh, voluminous author in the New Testament, meaning his his writings account for the largest chunk of the the largest single author 
which is pretty cool to think about. Luke and Acts. I think he's like 23% of the whole New Testament is from Luke. And it's great because I love reading Luke's writing. And I love the way that he pulls in the Old Testament and really says, this really is the story. It, it, it really happened this way. And this is how we know that this, is, that this was the fulfillment. Amen? All right, so I'm, I'm praying that God gives us a deep certainty that as the world just continues to roil around us and go all sorts of different directions and people get outraged here and outraged there and all upset and all confused over here and all just... We have an opportunity to give ourselves to the most certain thing that there is and to become a haven for those in need of certainty. We have it. Praise the Lord. And this is a rock that, as, he sa- as Luke says, that we can dig down and build a foundation on the rock. Let's dig down. Let's do a lot of digging in these days. And find Jesus. Find the purpose and the mission of the people of God. And just know for certain. Uh, the, uh, to have certainty according to the things that we've been taught. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the certainty that comes through this gospel. Uh, Lord, thank you for, um, Lord, thank you for Luke and the way that he saw crystal clearly in, in, this, in the way that Jesus lived his life and the way that the story came together. He saw how you were fulfilling all of your promises to Abraham and Moses and David in Jesus. Lord, Luke followed the, all these things closely from the beginning and he saw it. And you anointed him to give us an orderly account of the way it went down so that we could have certainty. And so, Lord, I pray that the certainty that for which Ruke wrote this gospel would be ours. And, Lord, we thank you that we are beloved by God and we are the recipient of this book, that we are Theophilus. And, Lord, I pray that you would come and anoint these, uh, these, these weeks and months as we go through Luke and Acts. Uh, make us as sure as ever of who you are and what you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.